Hello, and welcome to Executive Insider. My name is JT O'Donnell, and I'm the founder and CEO of Work It Daily, the number one online career growth club. I'm helping 1 million people grow their careers, and that includes executives just like you. I coach a community of executives inside Work It Daily, where we talk about what it means to be an executive, how we can build our executive networks, and how we can take our executive careers to the next level. So get ready. We're about to share content only an executive insider can bring to the table. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Executive Insider. This is the show that gets you the answers from the executives that have them all across the globe. And today, I am really excited to be talking about how to handle stress and anxiety during a global pandemic. Obviously, we've got a lot of that going on today. And for all of us executives, it's very important that we not only learn how to manage our own stress, but also the stress of others. And so I'm very excited to tell you that I have Susan Lees with us here today. She actually wrote an incredible article for us over at Work It Daily about this subject, tapping into her expertise as a healthcare coach and a healthcare expert. So a lot of background in the healthcare industry, and she's going to tap into that today and talk to us about that so that we can do a better job with the folks around us. Hey, Susan. Hey, JT. So good to have you here. And we were joking before we jumped on that we did not plan this, everyone, that we are literally matching in the blue outfit. Don't know how that happened, but it's pretty amazing. First time ever. <laughs> we must have been thinking the same thing, right, Susan? It works with that fair skin, I think. I think there we go. Good. Yeah, it's all good. But uh, listen, tell me, you know, as a healthcare consultant and a coach, I mean, how did you get into this line of work, which is so timely right now? So I started in healthcare. I was working in addiction and mental health in that atmosphere in healthcare. And as my career progressed, I started working more and more in emergency departments with fast-paced healthcare teams. So we started noticing that they were getting stressed and burned out as the volume and acuity of our department went up. And before I had gotten there, I had been trained in critical incident stress management and debriefing by the International Critical Incident Stress Foundation. So we started implementing trainings and stress reduction, coping strategies, and then started debriefing our team as well, which was really helpful. Interesting. Yeah. And tell me, how did you start to see the stress that was creeping up on them? What were some of the signals to you that something was off? They would call out from work. Hmm. They would joke around. You know, they kind of use that inappropriate humor (laughs) and, you know, sarcasm, which honestly, it's a healthy coping skill to use in healthcare. Because, you know, you can't walk into a patient's room and go, oh, blood, like you have to be professional. Right. Things like that, like calling out, joking around, inappropriate humor, just Mm -hmm. looking really stressed. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of where we knew we had to jump in. So when you were debriefing the clinical teams in the past, right, and I know debriefing is a big part of your background, what, you know, this was a strategy used to help figure this out. What are the benefits of the debriefing? Because in the article, you tell us one of the tips is to analyze everything. And I feel like that that's probably what you're referring to in the debrief, right? Why is that so effective? It helps you anchor what you're going through. If you can debrief a team right after a code, which is people are going to say, you can't do that. We don't have the time because we're going into the next thing. I don't think that it takes that long. I think you can do it in five or 10 minutes. And I think if you can leave that stress of that particular code behind so that you can go into the next one, I think that's a really good thing. And you can anchor it by talking about what was the feeling or emotion that something kicked in for you? What's the part that caught you off guard? What's something somebody else on your team did that you can talk about? Because you all see, you know, you're working together. So you see them 
kind of come out with their best that you think, oh, that's really good. How can we support that? And then I think you're not bringing residual stress with you from shift to shift to shift. I think the more you can experience something, anchor it, anchor the lessons from it, kind of the learn and grow thing, and then keep going, you would be better off. You wouldn't be carrying it. This is fascinating. I mean, I can see why in a clinical situation, right, where the emotions are high, you would want to do that debrief. You're talking about anchoring is almost like pulling them down. Right. And that emotional and getting them to kind of refocus. But also, if I'm hearing you correctly, essentially what you're doing is asking them a series of questions that's removing them from the situation and looking at it objectively. And when we start to analyze something objectively, we take out the subjectivity, the emotion part of it, which is what you're trying to do, diffuse the emotion, get them to look at it and go, okay, check, check, check. We learned something here. Move on. Am I hearing that right? Yes. Typically, when you go through something traumatic, you know, it's not uncommon to just sort of say everything. You know, I felt angry and frustrated and concerned and hopeless. And I can't believe that that patient went through blah, blah, blah. The best thing in working through this is to take what's the worst emotion. What's the worst feeling it kicked in for you and why? Because chances are, if you're in with a team of seven people, they're going to be able to relate to that. Mm -hmm. You know, they may have felt the same way, but chances are they may say something that you also felt. So by saying only one feeling, you'll get cohesiveness in the way that everybody responds to it, but you won't be unloading and kind of compromising the time that you have to do it. I feel like you could apply this principle literally to any industry right now. Any team right now that's dealing with COVID is, you know what I mean? Their work is is hitting them. They're having these moments. It would be fascinating to see if executives knew how to sit with their team. And I love this idea of, okay, what's the one emotion that was most overwhelming to you? Get one person to say it. Everyone chimes in, we address that collectively, and we're almost able to close that chapter and continue to move forward, right? Instead of letting it all wrangle out of control. That's incredible. So let's talk about this though. You said hospitals are really busy right now, and it can be really easy to dismiss this concept. You've just explained all the value around the debriefing. How do you combat against that? At this point, hospitals, anyone to say, no, we're going to take the time and we're going to debrief. Right. I don't know how that's going to happen. I I wish I did. I wish I did. But I was on a webinar a couple of months ago. I was on a webinar with a physician who coaches other physicians. And the stress and burnout piece came up. And she said it was the coolest thing because I was like, yeah, the coolest thing. She said, please don't ask us to come to another meeting because we don't have time for it. Right. Mm -hmm. And she's right. Like nobody wants to do another meeting in healthcare. But it has to be done, you know, and I think if you kind of break down those questions in the article and you go even less, can we recap the code? What happened? What's the one thing you felt? What's the one thing you saw in your team? And what's the one thing you learned about yourself? Those four questions that can be done pretty quickly with a team of about seven people. And standing up. In fact, I just brought that up on the screen for everyone to look at. Folks, if you're not going over to the article, please check it out. Like I said, while we're talking about healthcare and Susan is a healthcare consultant and coach, this stuff is so applicable to any executive that's dealing with a team. You've got seven questions here, but to your point is cut it in half and do it standing up. Right. right. (laughs) Let's do it. But we're going to do this as a way to, I love this term anchor that you keep using. Yeah. It just has such a grounding calming sense to it so that I can close the chapter on that trauma and start to look at my next one. It's amazing. The seven that are there, the seven questions, I was kind of thinking of the people when they leave their shift, 
mm-hmm. if there isn't a debriefing, like they're on their way home. Like you see the videos on the news of people who are video blogging from their cars about their experience. And so those seven questions were kind of formulated in the way of if you're just one person leaving your shift, here's the seven questions you should ask yourself. If you're doing a debriefing with the whole team, then definitely you could cut it down to four. But I think the the most important thing is getting them out in a way that you can say, okay, what's the experience I had? What did I learn about myself from this? And how do I keep going? It's funny that you mentioned that about the social media commentary. I have seen a lot of healthcare workers get on, for example, TikTok Mm-hmm. in tears in their car mm-hmm. telling us what they saw. First of all, my heart aches for them. It puts a wave of panic through you to sure. see a healthcare professional falling apart and understandably so. But then it worries me that that's the person that has to go in and take care of somebody else, knowing right. that they're in that state of feeling, right? So to your point, there's a real opportunity here maybe to quell some of that by giving them the chance to process it. I don't know that it's going to completely get rid of it, but maybe talk them off the ledge before they hop in a car and put something like that on social media. Yeah, definitely. You could process it on their own before they get in the car and video blog about it. Right. I think it, you know, definitely it would be helpful if you can do that. The one reason I like that is because assume this is going to come back in the fall, Mm -hmm. right? I think one of the most important things that each healthcare professional can do is take whatever is written down in a journal or blogged on an iPhone and review it and say, oh yeah, I remember this, this worked for me. Because trauma anchors itself in the amygdala in your brain, right? When you come back into a traumatic situation, your brain is going to go, oh, I know this road. You know, I went down there in the spring. Here we go again. And if that trauma isn't resolved, you're just putting trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma, and it's not going to work. They're going to burn out really quickly. If they look at what they've written or what they've blogged, in a way that they can grow from it and say, okay, here's something that worked really well for me. I'm going to use that. And they get into a little bit more of a routine. It won't be as stressful. It'll still be stressful. It just will be more manageable. So here's a radical question for you. How are you supposed to know the best way to design a career that suits your unique needs? Few of us were ever exposed to useful advice to help us make good career decisions. In the past, only pro athletes and wealthy CEOs could afford career coaching. Work It Daily was designed to disrupt the career coaching industry. We provide 24-7 access to career coaches for less than the cost of a gym membership. Like most professionals, you've likely struggled at some point to find a job or grow your career in a way that makes you feel happy and satisfied. Work It Daily can help you make sense of what to do next in your career. Career planning can feel daunting and lonely but it doesn't have to be that way. Work It Daily will provide you with the structure and answers you need to take action and get the positive results you're looking for from your efforts because we know you have better things to do than stress about your job search or career growth strategy. You'll find us online at workitdaily.com or in your phone app store. That's Work It Daily, W-O-R-K-I-T-D-A-I-L-Y.com. Visit to learn more or sign up today and get started with our career coaches immediately. Do you think that's the biggest concern we're facing with healthcare workers right now, the inability to process the trauma, or is it something else? I think it's a number of things. I think healthcare professionals are doing a really good job of processing their trauma. I think they are. I think where I get concerned are the newer nurses and physicians Mm. who have never had a patient die, who have never been through a code, who are not familiar with fast pace. Travelers who are traveling across the country, working with teams that they're not familiar with, mm-hmm. with processes that they may not know. And then how well the ones that who aren't handling the trauma, are they, you know, that's a retention issue for hospitals. You know, there was the Jones report in 2005 that said 
whenever a nurse leaves the hospital, it costs the hospital between something like 67 and $73,000 per nurse. Wow. When you look nationwide, that number goes down to, I think, 25000 to 70000 It depends on what part of the country you're working in. But why lose an experienced nurse? If you can implement a debriefing in 10 minutes or 15 minutes after a stressful period or after a shift so that you know your team is okay when they go and anchored so that they can come back and go into the next thing, I would want my team to do that. It makes total sense. You're investing. So you have these assets. I love the way you're looking at this because it is business to some degree, but you also know this is really good for them mentally and physically to have this done. But financially for the organization, investing in the time to get these individuals anchored and processing their trauma and you know feeling more in control of the situation is a win-win for everyone. Right. For the business, for the individuals, I, I totally get where you're going with this. It's so interesting. So if you were with a bunch of healthcare professionals now and you were presenting on this topic, what would be the most important things you'd want them to know right now? I would want them to know that there's help there if they need it and to call and reach out in whatever form that takes for them. So the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, if they're in crisis, they can call or they can call their employee assistance providers. I know of at least four of the major EAP companies that have debriefing people on their teams that can debrief healthcare professionals. So you can basically call them and say, hey, can you have somebody call me for a debriefing? I think that would be really good. The other part of it is just talking with your colleagues and just checking in with each other because those nurses that are seeing the other nurses call in or they look at them and they get the sixth sense that something's not quite right, they can call them on that and they have that closer relationship to be able to do so. You know, so I think that's an important thing as well. You know, trauma is not a great thing when you've experienced a traumatic event. Probably the one interesting thing about it is that when you shut down, when your emotions shut down, you do get more introspective, I found. Like you get your sixth sense about something. That's why intuition is in that article, because I think you become more intuitive. You get used to seeing micro expressions and the looks on the faces of the people that you're working with that you need to pay attention to. So interesting you say that. I did read recently about a doctor, unfortunately, who went home and took her own life. And it just was the stress of all of it. And it came as a complete shock to the family. And it makes you think, do you think that the frontline healthcare workers feel like people expect them to be so tough and strong because that's the profession they chose? And do you think sometimes people are afraid to pick up the phone and call the crisis line or whatnot because of the reputation or feeling they're supposed to be stronger? Could be that. Yeah. It's interesting to me. I certainly, if any of them listening right now, I don't want them to think that. I want them to process. That there's help for them. And I think with the physician who committed suicide, that when you get to the point where you're suicidal, a lot of times you can't see through because all the emotions are kicked in. And it's hard to think about, you know, how do I cope with this? Who do I ask? And are they even going to be able to understand me if I ask them for help? Right, right. Why do you think debriefing hasn't been put into the protocol, like common practice at the end of your shift, there's some mandatory way to debrief with all the technology and things we have going on right now. There's no way to do that. Sure. Right. No, I think some of the larger hospitals, I think Hopkins has a debriefing team. And I know some of the larger health systems do wherever I've worked, we've done them because we've said, look, the team needs what you can kind of see in the team that you need a debriefing. I had the benefit of working at some faith-based hospitals 
where I was able to do my debriefing with a member of the pastoral care team, which was really good as well. So I think if you have people trained to do debriefing in your hospital, you should definitely make a team of it. You can get training online at the Critical Incident Stress Foundation. It's ICISF.org. They have an online training for critical incident stress. The thing that's a little different is that when they're done with the debriefing, because they tend to debrief emergency responders as well, they follow up with coping skills. So there's another form, which is ATSM, which is Applied Traumatic Stress Management, which also works with emergency teams. Part of their program is they say, what did I learn about myself as a result of when I went through? And I think for healthcare professionals, that anchoring is key. You know, Mm -hmm. what did you learn about yourself? And then how do you keep going? That makes total sense. Total sense. Well, we have some questions from the audience. So I want to pop those up. So the first one here is from Andrea and she is asking, what more can we as lay persons do for healthcare workers? Great question. Especially Um, with this going on. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I would definitely ask them about their careers, you know, their healthcare career, where have they been, you know, and what have they learned from the experiences they've had and just listen. I think that's a key thing. The emotional side is definitely tough. So I I really think the just listening piece, even if you can't understand what they're saying, just to listen to what they're saying is a good thing just for them to get it out, to get out what their experience has been. It's interesting. I think about it from a career perspective and jobs. I think there will be a lot of people that through this pandemic say, gee, my work is not nearly meaningful enough. I want to get into healthcare. I want to go and be able to do what those people are doing. But I want to ask you as somebody who's in there, do you think there'll be a fair number of people already in the profession looking to get out? Could this seriously create a problem where people go, I'm done. You know, this pandemic just sucked up the last 10 years of my life. I I can't do another decade. What do you think? I I mean, it's concern, right? We could have some serious churn in the industry and we already strapped for resources. Yeah. It's weird because the part that's blowing me away, because on one hand you have these professionals, the acute care ones who are just, just going through this pandemic. It's amazing to see what they're doing with what they don't have. The fact that they're just going and going and going Mm -hmm. speaks volumes to who they are as individuals. What really gets to me about it, this is true of my friends. They have many skills in the intricate knowledge that you need to have as a professional, right? And they don't push the leadership skills that they have. When I look at their LinkedIn profiles, I see, you know, very experienced nurses in the skills that they have, but there aren't the leadership skills that I know they have that are just not listed on their LinkedIn profiles. And I wish that they would add them because I think if they did, they would get more leadership roles than what they're in. And let's talk about that because besides being a healthcare consultant and all of this, you are also a coach to these individuals. So when you think about the incredible experience they are now gaining, hands-on experience they're now gaining, right? What advice do you give to those listening that should be thinking about what should they play up? Well, what would you have them play up more on their LinkedIn profile, their resume, or how would you get them to network and make it more aware that they should be eligible for these roles? I think push the leadership skills and the experience they've had as a charge nurse on an acute care unit. You know, if they could do a career narrative. Yes. Like, like, (laughs) yes, totally. Yes. The career narrative, the story, the career story. Absolutely. I would do that with every single nurse I know, every single one of them, I would say to them, write down every position you've had since you left nursing school. And I would keep it vague and much the same way that you do just to see what they're taking away, right? Mm. 
you know, I've seen some of my friends have gone from one department they've been into and then the hospital down the street says, we'll give you $2,000 if you come and work for us. And so they go, you know, I always wonder about why are they making the decisions to go where they're going to. And I think having the ability to do a narrative would definitely help sharpen those skills. I think you would see in that how to work with them on a LinkedIn profile, definitely. I love that. So they would do their career narrative and then somebody like you could look at it and say, okay, you're not playing yourself up enough here. You're not thinking about this angle here. Really help them rewrite in their mind that experience. I love it. We've got a question from Jim. Jim says, so much to learn in this area. Are hospitals, et cetera, globally sharing lessons learned with each other to help speed this kind of learning? Oh, that's a good question. What are you seeing out there? I've seen that they are. And Jim, I just have to say, I absolutely love the article you wrote. It was amazing. Really cool. I got to He did write a great article. (laughs) It's so cool to work with everybody. Yes. And I think that's one of the things that I like about debriefing is I wish that we could push this internationally, right? Because wouldn't you love to see what teams in Italy and Germany and China, like wherever they are, what they've learned from this and share it. I know it's being done with some of the acute care models of healthcare, emergency medicine for one. And I know with other countries as well, I know in addiction, some of the best addiction professionals in the world are in Canada. And I know that there's a listserv that they work with professionals in the United States as well to share their knowledge and treatment goals and that kind of thing. So I know it's being done. I just don't know the extent of it with this pandemic. I hope it's a lot. And I would hope that we get there, maybe not now in the middle of it, but definitely with lessons towards the end. So, you know, we're kind of coming on the other side of this first wave that they keep talking about. And as you said, they're talking about it very likely seeing another wave in the fall, very similar to the flu, gives us about the summer. What happens in that time to these workers? Are they just recovering? Is there an opportunity, like you said, besides processing to put things in place to make them feel better prepared for the next time? What's it going to look like? Can you predict it all? No, I wish I could. I think it would be great if there would be a way to process the kind of do a debrief, you know, of what did we learn during this? What do we need to do better and have it not be a risk management thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like have it be an emotional felt debriefing. I feel that way because of the cost of retention. Don't just tell us the clinical side of what we learned from this. I mean, I definitely know there's lessons there, but I think the emotional side should be covered as well, because I think that's what's going to keep your team working together. Most definitely. God, you know, you say it, I can't even imagine these teams have been working together. They know each other's personalities. They understand one another. You're talking about situations where people were just thrown together to work in a crisis without knowing each other on that level. I mean, that must profoundly change you. That's one of the things I would love to learn. Like if you have an agency which is doing travelers, right? Mm -hmm. Sending travelers to different hospitals around the country, right? Right. Do you have a process in place which you can debrief the nurse when they come from one hospital and go to another. Like what were the lessons they learned from being there? Because this has got to be hard. I, the one nurse that did the video, mm-hmm. and I think she was in New York and she lives in DC, I think. I would love to figure out how does she leave everything that she learned in New York behind, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's going to clearly carry it with her forever. But how do you do it in such a way that you take the lessons and they don't burn you out? You kind of take the lessons from them that just make you a stronger nurse so you can keep going on. Yeah. I want to tap into that for a second because you really know a lot about this. So somebody that is that emotional and is carrying that much stress and anxiety about something, we have such a stigma around that still. 
We do. You know, like, oh, if you have that, you're flawed in some way. Well, meanwhile, we all know we have it. We all right. get anxiety and stress. Right. But we're still a society that's trying to hide the heck out of it and worry, like, hey, what will people think about me in my career down the line? Right? Right. How do you coach people about that to get them over it and say, you know, no, you're feeling this, get help. What do you do technique-wise? They're not going to get over. You're not going <laughs> to... Mm, that's not going to work. What we did was, it was like, how close to the line can we get our team? You know, so we actually developed a behavioral health program at a very large healthcare system where I worked. And when we were training the staff, one of the things we used to say was, you know, when describing our patients was, they are us in crisis. We are them without a support system or a job. Because sometimes it's just a really fine line, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's how close can we bring you to kind of talking about the feelings that you have? And usually with codes that are tough for people, like when we've done debriefings, if I was with a pastoral care person or if I was with somebody who was a co-facilitator, the one thing I noticed was that the debriefings that we did that had the most impact emotionally were the ones where the team could relate to what happened. Like if it were the loss of a baby, it could be because they were also young parents and could relate to that. You know, something that struck a nerve because they know it really well. It's kind of like you think of the defenses you use. Like I use humor. I love humor as a defense, right? So I, you know, my closest friends are the ones who also use humor. Like our friends are people like us who use the same defenses that we do. So I think that is has a concurrent thing as well. Like when something goes wrong to something that we know because we can relate to it, that's where we get stuck. It makes so much sense. It's fascinating. Fascinating how much more we need to be doing this in the workplace, especially in the healthcare workplace, right? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. So fantastic. Thank you. Listen, before I turn it back, because I always give our guests the last word, tell everybody where they can find you and the best way to connect with you. They can find me on LinkedIn or on my website at www.coachingfornurses.io. We'll get that link up, everyone. That would be great. JT, definitely. Thank you so much for inviting me to come and hang out with you. I know. And our magic love, you are amazing. So tell us this, as I turn it back, the one big takeaway, if everybody listening today, the one thing that you want them to think about and pass along as they're talking to other executives, what would it be? There is help for you. Mm -hmm. If you are in a stressful, traumatic situation, or if you know somebody who's in a service profession out there in the world who is stressed out and is making stressed and not knowing how to make the right decisions or just overwhelmed with emotions and feelings, just know that there's help for them. There is help. They just have to reach out and ask. It's there. Absolutely. And we're going to grab all those earlier links you mentioned as well and get those in the video folks so that you can access them. But I love that advice. Susan, thank you so much. Everyone, thank you for attending and asking your wonderful questions. And remember, this is Executive Insider. And until next time, if you want to win the executive game, remember, you've got to work it daily. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Executive Insider. If you want to learn more about Work It Daily and how we can help you with your career or job search, visit workitdaily.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you subscribed and left us a five-star review. Don't forget to check out workitdaily.com slash podcast to get access to the resources and links mentioned in today's episode. Those can be found in the show notes. Again, thanks for listening. And I can't wait to share more with you on the next episode of Executive Insider.